Welcome to Sunny in Seattle with your host, Sunny Joy. And coming up on today's show, Sunny welcomes special guest, Dr. Mark Mincola. And he has a new book out, The Way of Miracles. So tune in and hear not only about Dr. Mincola's story of miraculous healing from a life-threatening illness, but also how you can create your own miracles. And now we welcome your host for the day, Sunny Joy. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Sunny in Seattle. I'm your host, Sunny Joy McMillan, and we're here every Friday from 9 to 10 a.m. on Alternative Talk 1150 a.m. KKNW in Seattle, as well as 103.3 KPCA in Petaluma, bringing you amazing guests and resources that will help you create a life filled with peace, joy, freedom, and purpose. It is radio that positively shines. And if you can't catch the show live, you can always access those show archives. You can find them at 1150 KKNW. You.com. And you can also find the show on iTunes and Podcast One. Um, and just for quick housekeeping, my website is goldenoversoul.com. That is goldenoversoul.com. Um, so, Benny, how are things up in Seattle? Doing very well. It's a nice, a bright, and sunny, shiny day today. Um, there's some big T-Mobile event going next door, so I apologize in advance if there's some distractions, but I think we should be okay. Oh, what kind of event? Oh, oh is it the, because it's their big unveiling of, you know, their new 5G. Oh, I see. Okay, okay. And more of like some, I think it's, uh, what do they list it as? Like the all-employee co-worker event. Like they're all simulcasting in different locations and they have this huge stage erected down here. So. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, they've been doing, yeah, they've been doing it the last couple of days, so it's really intense, right? Oh, it's been so long since I've been up at the studio, and I remember there were always fun things happening in and around the parking lots right? of that complex of the studio, as well as the neighboring businesses like T-Mobile. Right, exactly, and that's why you yeah. need to like on your trip just come back through here, and you can you pick up the show where oh, you, you left off. We are, Vinny, and I'm <laughs> Good. hoping we actually will be there for a couple weeks, so maybe I can get into the studio at least once or twice. You are welcome back. Yes, of course. Yay. Yeah, well, and I'll just say as a quick disclaimer, I'm coming to you today from Deadwood, South Dakota, um, which has been a really cool spot that we've stopped. Chase came here when he was younger and was very excited to come back and see if it was as he remembered. But what we didn't realize um, was that we scheduled our trip. Thank goodness it doesn't overlap with it but almost the sturgis bike rally which is just up the road (laughs) sturgis and there's already a huge influx of bikers i think it starts on august 6th or something so anyway i am seated at the campground and they said oh you should just go sit in this little pavilion but as i'm sitting outside you just hear like harleys coming by like in just droves (laughs) i've tried to find a quiet spot so but if you do hear any of that background noise that is what it is (laughs) i figured you guys would have gotten on your little scooter and brought them out there. Oh, right. <laughs> I think we would have been a little bit out of place. On the no, two wheels are two. Two wheels are two wheels. I don't know, however you look <laughs> at it. Okay. Okay. Well, thanks, Kitty. So welcome. anyway, I look forward to catching up further next week on First yeah. Friday with Dr. Alessandra. Yeah. Yeah, but for today, I'm very excited to bring you the guest we have scheduled, which is Dr. Mark Mincola. Um, He has a new book out called The Way of Miracles. Um, So just a little background, uh, Mark Mincola, PhD, is a nutritional therapist and quantum energy healer who has transformed the lives of more than 60,000 people over the last 35 years. 
through his innovative genius, he has integrated Chinese energy healing techniques with cutting edge nutritional science in what he calls electromagnetic muscle testing, a one of a kind approach that zeroes in on each individual's unique nutritional needs. Dr. Mancola was awarded the 2021 Divine Contribution to Humanity Award, and his new film, The Way of Miracles, was awarded the Best Health Awareness Film of 2021. He has authored seven international best-selling books to date, and he has also appeared on Dr. Oz, Better TV, ABC Talk Radio, Fox 25 Boston, KCBS in LA, along with numerous other national TV and radio shows and in regional and national magazines. You can find out more by visiting his website, which is markmincola.com. That's markmincola.com. And Mincola is spelled M-I-N-C-O-L-L-A. Uh, Dr. Mincola, welcome to Sunny in Seattle. Sunny, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate your invitation. Oh, absolutely. I was very excited when I read the blurb on your book and, of course, more excited <laughs> once I actually dove in and read the whole thing. Um, but why don't we start um, just with a really broad question. Um, what, what do you see when you look out at healthcare and disease in the United States right now? I see a lot of transformational shifting, right? A lot of changes going on. And I think a lot of the things that we've talked about over the, over the many years over the past 30 or 40 years. We've talked a lot about nutrition, food as medicine, natural supplementation, vitamins, minerals, all kinds of different things. And I think we've, we've toyed with that stuff for the better part of three decades. And I think things are starting to formalize. People are starting to really tap into it in, in a formal manner and people are starting to accept it. I think we've been around the block with it enough so so many people know other people or perhaps even in their own life They've had remarkable turnarounds, great success stories, great healing experiences. So I think as a nation, we're starting to get more comfortable with, with the, the, the possibility of healing with food and the possibility of healing with supplements. Do you find that there is a lot more uh, scientific study being done, you know, quantifiable research that really is proving that nutrition needs to be moved really to the forefront of medical education? I do, Sonny. I think a lot of what's, what, what it's all about is Transformation and change is all about gradual shifting. And there's, there are waves, shift, we shift in waves whenever we go through transformational shifts, culturally especially. And I think that there is, uh, there's a series of new waves in nutrition that are, that, are, that are born from studies, research. And I think it's one of those situations where there's a lot of vitamin companies, a lot of supplement companies, a lot of nutrition companies that are now marketing themselves, advancing their brand, becoming very successful. And ending up with a lot of revenue that actually is capable of, of reinforcing the value of their products. There's a lot of great research and a lot of companies that, that is now validating the remarkable possibilities of nutrition, remarkable possibilities of vitamins, things like that. So I think that we're in this new wave of extensive acceptance and, and embracing the concepts of supplements and nutrition and things like that because of, because of the studies that have been done. Yeah. Well, then I have to ask, backing up a little bit, you know, you've been at this, I think, for almost 40 years. And yeah. so you, you know, written that medicine is your, is, is uh, your, your um, food is your medicine, you know. Um, and so I'm curious, how did you back, you know, s several decades ago, really tap into nutrition as the way toward uh, one of the ways, primary ways toward healing and, and well-being? 
Well, my, my older brother, back many years in 1972, uh, when I was in college, had a, had a suffered a heart attack at age 35. And I was stunned by that. I mean, I didn't think that was possible. It was just like such a shocking experience for me to see my brother in the hospital bed. And they'd open him up. The old, the old open heart surgeries used to be from the chin under the under the chin to the to the to the big toe. He oh opened gosh. the body right up. And I saw him in the hospital bed and he was stitched from head to toe pretty much. And I was just so stunned and so alarmed by that whole process. And I thought to myself, how could food do that? And actually the doctors that did his did his studies and checked into him, evaluated him, discovered that he suffered from hypoproteinemia, hypolipoproteinemia. Hypo, hypo hyperlipoproteinemia. So in other words, he had a lot of arteriosclerosis, a lot of cholesterol, triglycerides, blood fats. Arteries are clogged up from food. So, I mean, this was so stunning to me. I was a business major at the time in, in college. And I'm sitting with my brother and I'm, and I'm stunned at the fact my brother had a heart attack at age 35 because of food. Food, food did that to him. So my instinct was to think, well, if food did this to him, then I think food can, can turn it around and get him out of trouble, you know? So I, I started working with him. I started studying reference library material, things like that, and just making copious notes and trying to work with my brother, trying to help my brother. I was just really so blown away by my brother's my brother's situation that I, I decided to devote myself to trying to help him. And we did. We helped him a lot. And he actually started eating better, working out. And lo and behold, his follow-up visits after, after he got up and running again were really much better. He lower cholesterol, lower triglycerides. His arteries are open up much better. His heart is much stronger. We put him on a number of different supplements, fish oils and all that, and he's doing exceptionally well. So I changed my major from business to nutrition. Mm. So that was kind of my beginning. And you know, at that point in time, I said, there's something to this and I need to ex expand on this. I need to continue to study it, work with it and see if I can't open up a, a window, open up a door to, to new possibilities with, with nutrition and food as medicine. So that was my start. Yeah. And I do remember reading in the book that you really started out as more materialistic, um, Newtonian in your approach um, to such things, recognizing that nutrition obviously was affecting the body. But you write that that remarkable things really began to happen to your patients and to you. And it kind of changed your tune. And I'm I'm curious if you could tell us a little bit about your transformation to believing in miracles and something a little bit beyond the materialistic. Well, you're right. At, at that time in my life, I was definitely more more inclined to think in, in, in life terms in a Newtonian manner. And I started reading more and studying more like evolving you know, as that whole process of, of transformation and evolution and becoming more interested in stories that I heard from patients, scenarios that I learned, learned from patients. I mean, I had patients come in from time to time that dem demonstrated the ability to make a difference with their health, with things like yoga, things like meditation, Tai Chi. And I started to observe more and more of these people were getting better and better and better. And it wasn't just about chemistry. It wasn't just about cells. It was about energy. So I, I just decided to slowly take a, take a, a swim in that direction. And I was working more in, in terms of learning and studying yoga and that kind of thing. And I actually taught yoga for three years. I taught yoga class. There was a <laughs> town that I lived in, worked in and lived in called Cohasset, Massachusetts. 
I actually work for the town rec department as a, as a yoga teacher. So I started noticing that people when they did pranayama and things like that, the asanas, the, the different the different postures they went through and different relaxation responses they went through, were, was lowering people's blood pressure, it was actually supporting their nervous system, and they were producing a healthier chemistry. So chemistry through through mind, if you will. So it was more of a mind-body approach that I started to delve into. And it, was, it was wonderful. It was a great start to that whole process. Yes. Was there one maybe particular case or one particular instance or circumstance that occurred that really tilted you into the miraculous from the materialist? Um, anything that comes to mind? Well, I mean, I think back in those days, it was more of a, of a baptism by experience. Hmm. I went through a lot of different, again, I, I, the key is I've seen 60,000 people over 37 years. Yeah. So I've had a lot of blessed opportunities to observe changes, healing transformations and things like that from so many different people. But I think, I think the timing is everything, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that the timing for all that at that, at that particular time in history as like I said, like you said earlier, starting to open up. People were starting to really work more in studying yoga, tai chi, meditation. I took transcendental meditation back in the early seventies, and again, I think that there was a lot of there's there was actually a Publishers Clearinghouse book of meditation study. I'll never forget this book. It was an incredible book, about a three hundred page book. Hmm. And in this in this in this clearinghouse rendition of of yoga, I'm sorry, of meditation. They talked about the amazing amount of information that had been, that had been studied scientifically that clearly supported heart function, blood pressure, um, hormonal hormonal functions, endocrine functions, thyroid function, adrenal function, et cetera, so liver function. And in every one of these studies in this, in this clearinghouse book, astounding amounts of money were spent. In the set is the early 70s, early to mid 70s, millions and millions of dollars in the early to mid 70s, proving beyond a shadow of a doubt, and fine scientific studies as well, very fine studies that stress management, meditation, breathing, breath exercise, things like this, we're, we're, we're getting the job done. They're making a tremendous difference. And science is just beginning to tap. It's a pretty exciting time. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's interesting, or at least this to me from your story is one of the more interesting components because here you started this, uh, you know, almost 40 years ago, you knew all of the things to do in terms of how to support your body, um, the biology, the cells, all of that, you knew the nutrition, and yet you had your own healing crisis. And I'm, I'm curious, and that wasn't so long ago, um, if no, I remember no, no. correctly. So yeah, I would, I would really love to hear, you know, what you'd like to share on your story because sure, it sure, sure does sure. impact the big picture. <laughs> no question about it. Absolutely. So we, I met Christina Virchillo Bresson. Christina Virchillo Bresson is the, the producer of the film, The Way of Miracles. Yeah. So my son, my son actually knew her and was actually friends with her. And she was living in New York at the time. And so my son actually took me aside and said, Dad, I met this great film producer in New York who is who talks your language, who gets your your, your situation loud and clear. You guys gotta yeah. you gotta 
you got to connect. No way, no, no choice about you. You two have to connect. So I said, okay, great. So he, he introduced us, and we became fast and famous friends right away. It was just an, an instantaneous connection, no question about it. So yeah. she um, and I decided we were going to make a film, which is which became the way of miracles. So she we we planned the film, we mapped it out. We spent a lot of time. We spent like three and a half years mapping out the movie. And as we're working on the movie, the, the, the goal, the, the situation at hand was we're going to tell great stories, patient stories that I, that I have massed over the years. So we were, we were going to pick the, the most choice stories, the most exciting stories. We, we wanted great stories. We also wanted great storytellers. You know? So we found the best stories and the best storytellers. And we started mapping the whole film out. And right in the middle of this, in the middle of this effort, I was planning on sharing miracle stories of my patients. I was bit by a Lyme tick and I was bit by a Lyme tick and, I, and there, there was a conveyance of, of a very inflammatory neurological, it's called neuroborrelia, neuroborrelia. So there's many different types of Lyme disease. It's a spirochete bacteria and the, the infection that I got was the neuroborrelia, neurological, and it, it actually produced horrible neurological symptoms. My oh. muscles ached profoundly. I mean, horrible muscle aches, joint pains. But it didn't get really bad until about a year or so into it. About a year or so into it, I started feeling that I couldn't walk. I couldn't stabilize myself. I couldn't stand up straight. I, my, my balance was off. My, my thinking was off. My brain was inflamed. And a lot of people actually suffer from Lyme disease. A lot of people die from Lyme disease because of brain inflammation. So it's a profoundly inflammatory and limiting condition. It's, it's, it's truly amazing. I have a 71-year-old friend that died from Lyme disease. Who, who contracted Lyme disease about the same time that I did. So I started off taking my colloidal silvers and my natural herbal medicines, started eating anti-inflammatory diet, eating really clean, taking good, taking the best care of myself that I possibly could. Good friends of mine are medical doctors. I went to them, had them evaluate me, blood test me, and all that stuff. Sure enough, I had really elevated levels of neuroborrelium. So I had very elevated Lyme disease. Hmm. And, and it wasn't getting better. I mean, I was working at it, trying all my best on my best to do the, what I could. Nothing was working. Nothing was working at all. Yes, what sicker and sicker and sicker. So toward the end of my, my peak condition, I actually was going into the bathroom one night to brush my teeth and get ready to go to bed. And I was very unstable. As I said, I couldn't, couldn't really walk. I fell on the hard tile bathroom floor, hit my head on the floor. And I was on the floor for 14 and a half hours. I couldn't move a finger. I couldn't move. I was paralyzed from head to toe. And I knocked a bunch of cleaning solvents down when I fell. And they were pouring into my nose and my mouth. And I couldn't move my head to get out of the way. Ugh. So I was on the floor, immovable, paralyzed. And I was inhaling household cleaning stuff and cleaning, cleaning goods. And so I was really, really pretty sick. Pretty, pretty uh, amazed, dazed, and, and inflamed, and in pain, and, and immobilized all at the same time. So yeah. I, um, I, just, I went, I confronted myself. I talked to myself as I was on that bathroom floor and I said, what if, what if, what if I never walk again? What if I never move again? What if, what if I'm quadriplegic? What if I'm, what if I'm relegated to a wheelchair the rest of my life? And I thought to myself, I need to know because this, this could be a fact that I'm, that I'm going to have to contend with. If that were the case, would I want to live? Would I want to live? And I didn't have an answer. And I went to a very deep, dark place within myself at that time. And as I did, I, I asked myself 
one final time. If, if I can't have my body, will I want to live? And I didn't have an answer. So about 25 minutes went by. And after 25 minutes, I started screaming for help. I started screaming at the top of my lungs for help, 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 help. And as I screamed for help, I became alerted to the fact that I cared to live. And it wasn't until I screamed for help that I knew that I wanted to live. So I made it. I made a pact with myself on that floor. And no matter what it was going to take, it was going to be. If I was going to be in a wheelchair, I was going to tour the world with with a, with a book and, and a film from a wheelchair. If I had to do it, I was going to do that. But I decided at that moment in time to suspend my belief, to suspend my sense of awareness about miracles. Because I thought to myself, this is no accident. I'm doing a, a book and a movie about miracles, miracle healings, miracle <laughs> patient stories. And I'm on the bathroom floor for 14 hours, breathing in toxic chemicals, deciding whether I want to live for the rest of my life in this potentially paralyzed circumstance. There's no, there's no joke here. There's no, there's no coincidences. This yeah. is all designed. So my miracle was an important component to this whole process. And I, I suddenly knew and I could feel and sense in my, in my soul that I was, that I was intended to heal myself and I was intended to make a decision and to tap into the fact that miracles are, are created. So I learned at that time, four different, I read about it in the book, there are four different aspects of miracles. Miracles can be rejected, they can be accepted, they can be expected, and they can be created. Mm. So I was more along the lines of, of, of not being a, a supporter of miracles, but by that time I was off that bathroom floor. Uh, and I spent four days in the hospital, and I spent 10 days in rehab. And I was told by the, by the, by the PT people and doctors and nurses and staff, you probably won't move again. You're probably never be able to walk again. Well, I'm walking three miles four times a week right now. So I got it back. I got it all back. And, I, and I, that was my miracle. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you went, if I uh, read correctly, you went from that acute pain and paralysis on that, that moment in the bathroom or that 14 plus hours on the bathroom floor to being fully functional in about 18 months. And you attribute right, that right. success. If um, this, this is from the book, you attribute it to your day-to-day -day dedication to super conscious prayer, meditation, and trance manifest. So this, you know, the, the book is called The Way of Miracles, as is the documentary. The subtitle is Accessing Your Superconsciousness. So what is superconsciousness? Why was that so integral to your healing journey? Superconsciousness is pure consciousness. It's when we think about the, the awareness that we have at our deepest parasensory level, our deepest awareness. And we, we understand that the universe isn't a place. The universe isn't a, it's not a galaxy. It's not a, it's not a solar system. It's not a place. The universe is, is consciousness. And that is what we are. We don't have consciousness. We are consciousness. So we are the universe. Mm. So I think you begin by changing some thoughts, by, by awakening yourself to some changes in perception and perspective. And we begin the process by understanding that we are consciousness that has no limits. We are mm. consciousness that is, that is unbound, unbridled, and limitless in its potential to reach beyond the norm. So when we think of ourselves as beings that are doings, I always say that we are human beings, well, human beings are not human doings. So whenever we think of ourselves as beings that are, that are doings, we, we, we skip past the notion of our being, of having an essence. 
one of the things I talk about in the book is I said, I want everybody to go to go to a mirror, go to the nearest mirror and look for the center of your eyes and the center of your eyes in the mirror. So you're looking dead center of your own eyes. You're fixing your gaze on your own eyes for 10 solid minutes. Just do that for 10 minutes. And I say, you want to feel the essence of your being. Just tap into the essence of your being. You're running around, avoiding it all day long. You're skipping around it. You're not connecting with it. Take 10 minutes of your day today to connect with the essence of your being. That's what you are. That's the consciousness. That's the essence of your being. That's that's the place of limitless potential that you can actually be the miracle that creates miracles. Yes, and and just, you know, for our purposes of our discussion, how do you define a miracle? What counts as miraculous to you? Um, a miracle is an unexpected, um, extraordinary event that has the ability to change, transform life for whoever's involved in the process. Mm. And it's, and it's, it's struck by, by it's produced, it's created by, by divine essence. So it's, it's not, you can't, produce miracles in your mundane self. The mundane self doesn't have the tools. The mundane self doesn't have the energy. It's like we said earlier, the consciousness has to be elevated. We're talking about producing energy that is that is uncommon at a very deep spiritual consciousness level. But it's life-changing. Yes. You know, it's, it's profoundly life-changing. Yes. One of the things you mentioned earlier, and I actually had a note about this, um, I thought this was an interesting uh, concept, but the idea of rejecting miracles. And I'm, I'm curious, you know, why do you think that we as humans in our mortal selves reject miracles? And how do you help your patients who have a hard time accepting that this could, that they can create them, that this could happen for them? Uh, I think the whole life experience. I mean, we, we just wake up one day and we're, 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 we're aware of our, of our awareness. We're aware of our beingness. You're, you're born into a world that you don't know anything about. There's no, there's no, there's no directions. There's no guarantees. There's no solid ground. We're just born into this experience as pure consciousness. And we evolve and we grow learning the ways of material living, learning about food, clothing, shelter, the, the fundamental survival aspects of life, love, relationships, uh, success that's monetary, that's, that's material for survival purposes. These are all things that, that we, we amass through our experience. But ultimately, we don't really know anything about this experience. It's completely, it's creative. Anything that's creational is uncertain. You know, it's unknown. So we live in an uncertain, mm -hmm. unknown capacity that we convince ourselves that we have knowledge of. We don't. But this is, again, it's creative. It's So creative implies that it's always changing. It's always evolving. It's always expanding. So when it is always expanding and changing and growing, the reality there is it's uncertain. So I think that we start off with uncertainty. And I think people are, are reluctant to believe in miracles they're, they're reluctant to accept the notion of miracles because they're stuck with this notion they're stuck with this reality rather that, that they've contended with since, since day one the uncertainty of life it's not a guarantee it's not a slam dunk it's not a it's what you make it is of course as you know 
but in that in that regard, the creative component to life itself is what we make it. So we can we can create a sense for making it extraordinary, for making it limitless, and for making it uncommon, to making it to making it miraculous. And I think miracles require that extra effort of release. We have to we have to we have to be willing to release. We have to be willing to let go, let go of the fact that we're living in an uncertain experience. Because if we if we if we stay in the un uncertainty zone, if we stay lost in the fear zone of uncertainty, we we can't extend ourselves to the higher level of consciousness possibilities like miracle making. Yeah. I think we need to think in terms of transcending that and and, and being bold and daring to extend beyond that. And yes. have faith. You have to have high 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 levels of faith mastered in our consciousness that ties into the fact that we have limitless capabilities if we if we so desire and if we so program ourselves for it. Yes. Um, and, you know, Dr. Mancola, I'm enjoying our conversation so much, and I feel like we have a lot of ground to cover still. Are you okay if we talk through our break instead of taking it? Of course. Okay, wonderful. So we'll just go ahead and keep rolling. Benny, I hope that works for you, too. You got it. Awesome. Okay. Well, so one of the things I just want to back up a little um, that you write in the book that that you've worked with many patients who were once terminally ill, now successfully healed, who got down on their knees and thanked their past illness for teaching them who they truly were. They chose to treat their illness as a sacred gift. And it sounds like you would, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but from reading the book, your illness was a bit of a sacred gift as well. I'm curious, maybe someone out there is really struggling in that life-threatening illness situation, very um, anxious and depressed about it. How do you advise folks to look at illness as a sacred gift? Well, I think, I think first of all, the gift is what you perceive. So it can be something as simple as peace. Not that peace is simple, but I'm saying that it can actually be a very uncomplicated approach to acceptance of, of miracle possibilities. So if somebody is suffering from a condition that's terminal and they're struggling with the mortality issue um, and they're struggling with pain and suffering, there may be a miracle waiting for, the, for, for that person that's more aligned with the notion of peace, acceptance, that may be aligned with the fact that they become more aware of the fact, as we said earlier, that the life is uncertain. And that and it just to have peace in the face of the uncertainty can in many respects be the greatest gift you can ever get. Yeah. And, and there was another, uh, I guess, in my mind, related concept here that was very interesting to me in the book that you have seen a correlation in your natural healthcare practice between self-contempt and disease. So how does love factor into the acceptance or creation of miracles and, and healing? I say self-contempt is the only mortal sin. Mm. That's my spin. So the idea that you have a precious self that is innocent and deserving, not based on what you did or didn't do, by the way, but based on your isness, as I like to say. So you find a couple pictures of yourself in the family scrapbook, the five-year-old self. You look at yourself as a five-year-old and just 
tap into the innocence of your five-year-old self. You can see it. It exudes from you. And then where there's, where there's innocence, there's deservedness. So I always ask my patients, stop thinking of yourself as an adult who's failed or sinned. Stop thinking of yourself as an adult who's taken the wrong path, messed things up, made mistakes, screwed up, whatever. Think of yourself as that five-year-old child who who had who was was in a in an ocean of innocence, exuding an ocean of innocence. And that same innocent child that is you is deserving because of their innocence. And they're always living from within you. They never go away. Mm. So that wounded child, that, that innocent, deserving child, is always part of your spirit. It's always within you. You never lose that. So you want to think about that part of yourself as being the, the part of yourself that, that you exercise love with. That's the part of me that I love. That's the spirit. That's the soul. That's the, the, the authenticity in my heart, my loving self, my beautiful self. Love that self. Yeah. Take, 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 the, take the time to connect with that self in a loving way. Yeah. We talk about self-love on this show quite a bit. Um, self-love, self-compassion, but I don't know that I'd ever made that connection before um, of what you saw in your practice. So I guess self-love is an integral part of healing. Well, it's, I think it's impossible to heal if self-contempt is in the way. Mm. The, the opposite of self-love is self-contempt. So yeah. again, self-contempt is when we develop, when the world convinces us that being a human doing of some sort or other is our goal. So by, by doing by doing whatever, by, by, by doing great in school, by getting 100 on your test, by, by hitting a home run in Little League, by, um, by exceedingly, by exceeding expectations with your performance, by doing, 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 by ex expanding your intrinsic value, I should, I'm sorry, extrinsic value, by becoming more of something material. That's, that's viewed as being correlated with global, with worldly success, with material success. Yeah. I say that, that that's breeding self-contempt. And that doesn't, that doesn't create a loving flow of energy between you and you. Mm. That 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 creates um, a contempt of, of uncertainty, of rejection, disappointment, uh, and of judgment. And I think those things are we got to be really. You can't heal in those in the environment of those those experiences. Those those one those will not allow healing to happen. Healing flows. Healing is about ease, not disease. So I yes. think ease is important. Yeah, and you bring up exactly where I was hoping to go next. Um, there's a, a chapter in the book on dis-ease, like D-I-S apostrophe, or not apostrophe, hyphen, E-A-S-E. -E. And then, so dis-ease and disease. What are the, what's the difference between those two concepts? Dis-ease is an ill-ease an Ill of spirit. If, I, if I'm not at ease, I mean, well, let's, let's start off with ease. Ease speaks for itself. He did it with great ease. She did it with great ease. I mean, ease is, is a flow. It's a confidence. It's a peace of mind. It's, it's an acceptance. It's, 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 a, it's a flowing pattern of a t uh, some form of attainment. There's, there's an ease about him. There's an ease 
that brings about peace wherever he goes, wherever she goes. So I think ease is a beautiful word. And ease has got a lot of peace attached to it. Dis-ease is the opposite. It's had the peace robbed from it. There's no more peace with, with dis-ease. Dis-ease is tension, stress, an overbearing sense of judgment, apprehension, fear. Um, dis-ease is, is, a, is a mental and a spiritual state of mind that actually produces nervousness, discomfort, uh, lack of flow. You know, the opposite of flow is resistance. So it produces fear and resistance. And that's what produces physical disease. So disease and, and ill and ill at ease nature is what produces a physical, cellular, organic disease. Yeah. Yeah. And I found it really both interesting and frightening um, that you mentioned in this same chapter that when you began your practice, again, you know, 30 plus years ago, that one in 10 visits were rooted in stress. And of course, that, that sounds to me like the opposite of ease, stress. And now where we sit currently, you have nine out of 10 visits rooted in stress. Um, what do we need to know about stress? Um, and I would also think, you know, on a, at a broader level, as you're, it relates to your book, that stress is one of those things that keeps us from accessing the super consciousness as well. So what do we need to know about stress? Oh. I think the most important tie-in to all that is what I call the identity crisis. We use the word I, the word I, the average person 500 times a day. They write or speak the word I 500 times a day. So how many times do we take the time to identify who the I, who is the I, who, who are you? Who is that I you're talking about all day long? Yeah. So is the I part of your sacred makeup? Is it just your ego? Is your eye material, cellular, physical only? Or is your eye soulful? Is it source? You're referring to your source. So I think that we have an identity crisis. So I say, there's a number one, another, another one of my books called Whole Health. And there's a section in Whole Health that's called, the section of the book is called Identify Your Eye. Identify Your mm-hmm. Eye. So the beginning of this process of transformational shifting and healing and miracle making and becoming a higher being and becoming more, more capable of doing marvelous things, extraordinary things, it all begins with identification. You, you can't be who you were raised to be in this culture and be extraordinary. You can't be who you were raised to be and be a miracle maker. It doesn't work. You have to change who you, who you perceive yourself as. You have to, you have to re- reform your perception of beingness, of yourself. So identifying your eye is important. And the idea that we have to tap into the fact that there's this, there's, again, I, 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 I always struggle with the concept of, of what I call spiritual duality. You know, the notion that, think, think about the Tai Chi circle. The Tai Chi circle has, it's a whole circle. Yes. It's, dark semicircle with a light middle and a light semicircle with a dark middle. It's a central pedal centrifugal. And it's kind of like the idea of um, mutual compatibility of opposition is, is mirrored there. Mutual compatibility of opposition. So the idea that we are that, that that's who we are. That's all right. That's how we identify with ourselves. We're half, half human, half divine. 
Wow. So to take your divine self and to forgive your human self is your beginning. You know, and only 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 that which is divine can forgive that which is which is so mortal. You know, so back to the idea of making mistakes, being a screw up, being a sinner. Only 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 the divine can can make can be big enough to forgive that, to make good on that, to to to, to move past it, to not get stuck on it, and to take you by the hand and to usher you into your into your through through the threshold of acceptance and wholeness. So I think that. The idea that we have this divine self and this mortal self, we need to know the difference. Like I said, identify your eye. Look in the mirror, like I said earlier. Who are you? I mean, who do you want to be? Who are you willing to be? Who do you have the courage to be? What would make you feel best to be whomever, to be whatever? But here's the key. You have a choice. People don't know they have that choice. Yeah. You can you you can choose to be that higher divine self that can make miracles. That's my that's my point in the book and the movie. Yes, yeah. And is that I'm I'm just looking at my notes and of course there was a a, a chapter on the transpersonal shift. Is the transpersonal shift that shift uh, to uh, identifying with the divine self? Um, and if so, you know why? Tell us a little bit more about that transpersonal shift and why it's necessary for making miracles. Yes. Well, first of all, the word personal refers to self. Trans is, is actually transiting beyond. So transiting beyond the notion of who you think you are, transiting beyond the notion of your mundane self, transiting beyond material self, transiting into beyond to a higher self. So that's the transpersonal component of, of transformation. So the transpersonal bit is, is meant to imply that we all have an opportunity to choose a, a transient a transformational shift above and beyond the limitation of self that you've become familiar with. And that self can be as big, as, as limitless, as powerful, as loving, as beautiful, as resplendent as you as you want to make it. Because you're the creator. You're the creator of self. You you you've created yourself. You created your and you manifest your your moment by moment transformational changes and your evolutionary growth in your life you are a creator of your of your beautiful self so why would you limit that yeah so uh, there's a quote in the book um this is from the chapter on super conscious healing and you write that if it weren't for energy medicine and nutritional therapy most of my patients would never have experienced the miraculous recoveries that they did. So tell us a little bit about superconscious medicine and, and these two, the energy medicine and nutritional therapy that is so um, vital to healing. Well, first of all, we, we, we work a lot with energy. So energy, what is energy? And most people think of energy in very simple terms, like either you, you have a cup of coffee and you have it or whatever. But I think energy is something that's fundamental to life. It's fundamental to our to our existence. And Dr. Werner, I can't think of his name now. Yeah, Werner Heisenberg, Dr. Werner Heisenberg, 1937, yeah. won the Nobel Prize in Physics. He taught us that everything in the universe is 99.999% energy. 99.999%. Anything is material in the universe is 0.001%. So we see things as, as, as matter. We right. see things as, as 
physical material, dense, etc. And I think Heisenberg made it clear that that's not the way it is. And Einstein said energy can neither be created nor destroyed, only transmuted. So energy is something you don't make. It's something that is. It's the isness of the universe that is energy. And we're part of that. That's why I say that we are the universe. We don't live in the universe. We are the universe. Yep. And the objective is to understand that that energy is the beginning process of our work together. Like when we, we test we, 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 your diet, your nutrition plan, let's start there. We don't just say, look, blueberries are good for you. Let's eat a lot of blueberries. We say, look, it, every food under the sun has an ener energetic property or, or plural, has energetic properties. You have energetic properties. No different than when you meet somebody throughout the course of your busy day. You meet, you, you hook up with some people and your energy exchange will buoy you, it strengthens you, it, it, it excites you, it, it, it stimulates you. You feel so charged up after you're with certain somebody. Yep. They do that to me all the time. I love being with that person. She gives me such a, a rush. I love, love her energy, her smile. Um, and then you think to yourself, there's other people that you've been with. Oh, boy, I better 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 ground myself before I meet with them because they have a way of, they have, uh, have a way of draining completely when I'm, when I'm with them. Yeah. So people have energetic influences over each other. So foods are the same way. So foods, like, every, like energy, like everything in the universe, have an energetic baseline. So again, we don't just say blueberries are good for you. Let's eat blueberries. They have a lot of vitamin A. We say, let's check the energy of the blueberry. Take a food like, like blueberries, oranges, potatoes, rice, uh, whatever you want to check, black beans, and, we, and we, we check you for those foods. So I say that you have the energy, energetic awareness. So if I actually have you raise up your arm, and I'm checking your muscle strength, it's nothing more than an indicator. It's just an indicator. It's all it is, an indicator. Strength and weakness, nothing more than that. So if I call out the word corn, wheat, dairy, and we just see what your strength levels are. If your arm drops, if your strength empties out of your deltoid muscle, it's because your body knows. Your, your body has a field of consciousness. Your mind isn't the only conscious part of your being. Your, your body is consciousness, too. So your body consciousness dialogues with us and tells us where your pluses and minuses are. So again, we're not just looking at the vitamins and minerals in foods. We're looking at the energetic properties because we're working in an energy level. So we've done that for 40 years. And we have so many different systems of tapping into the, the degree of sensitivity to food, the degree of positivity of the food, the degree of potency of the vitamin. You should take X amount of milligrams of vitamin C once a day, twice a week, three times. We, we detail the whole thing. We, we, we pin it down to, to an exactitude because that's the energetic awareness that we think is important to operate at a miracle-producing at a miracle level. You get to, to produce miracles, you have to honor uh, energy, balance, wholeness. There's certain factors that are really important. I talked about that in the book as well. Yeah, and you included some really interesting case studies of some of the more miraculous healings. Um, I'm wondering if you wouldn't mind sharing, you know, one case study of someone who through the, these very um, unique to the individual um, nutritional changes and supplements, you know, based on their energy versus the energy of the substance that you have seen. Um, um, and I'd 
a couple come to mind, but I'm just curious if, if there are any that come to mind for you and case studies that might be interesting to listeners. Sure, sure, sure. One of my favorites is actually in the film. There's a woman who, um, 30, 37 years old, she was from Russia, and she'd been in this country for a short while, and she developed a brain tumor, mass in her, in her prefrontal lobe, and her tumor is like the size of a, a lemon, and she um, was getting horrible migraine headaches, horrible, horrible migraine headaches, as you can imagine. So she was, she went into the surgeon's blade, she, she received surgery, they opened up her brain, opened up her skull, pulled the tumor out, and she felt fantastic for several months. Several months later, the tumor grew back. And the doctor said, we're sorry. We got it all, but there's this, this propensity for you to, to produce tumor masses in your brain. We, there's nothing we can do about it. We can't guarantee you that we're, we're ever going to get ahead of this thing. It's going to be a problem probably forever. We're sorry. We, we can't help you. So she was really distraught. And her headaches are getting worse and worse and worse. And so she finally decided that she was going to try to find an alternative method for working with it. So a friend of hers actually had been to me, so she, and she was sent to, to work with me by her friend. So I evaluated her, did energy work on her, and it's kind of curious. I do I, One of the means of energy testing that I do is called pain point testing. Pain point testing is where I take my index finger and I go right to where the pain is. If somebody has an earache, I go to the ear. If somebody has a throat, sore throat, I go to the throat. So I went right to where the tumor was, and I put my index finger in that tumor. And I dialogued with her body. And I called out every food in the map. Kidney beans, broccoli, spinach, whatever. We went through the whole, whole list of foods we had. And the one thing that stood out and really just was a showstopper, an absolute showstopper, is when I, when I put my finger in her pain point energetically and I called out the word wheat. Wheat. Mm-hmm. Not gluten, wheat. I called out the word wheat. And there was such a dramatic loss of energy in her arm. It was, it was dramatic, dramatic. It was like 100% differential. Wow. So I said, I got to believe that you need to be careful to wait. I said, I, I did it. I checked it. I double checked it. I went over it several different times. I said, I, I, I think wheat, impossible as this may, may seem to you, I think wheat is causing an inflammation producing brain tumors for you. So we got her off the wheat and six months. The tumor went away, and she's been tumor-free for nine years. Wow. Yeah, that's just, and that's one of of many case studies um, that I just really blew me away. Um, and I'm I'm curious, you know, the the well, let's see. Oh gosh, we only have a few minutes left. Well, I, I want to make sure we do mention, Dr. Mancola, that you do have an event. I mean, it's really exciting. I haven't been able to announce an event in quite some time. <laughs> so it's wonderful. You've got um, an event coming up at Omega Institute, which is a fantastic institute. Um, and it's called The Way of Miracles. It's coming up here on September 3rd through 5th. Um, anything you want to amen, uh, mention about this event, Dr. Mancola, for folks who might want to connect with you in person after hearing the interview? Well, today. I think that the most important thing I'd like to mention is that we're going to actually teach people. This is not just a lecture. This, this, these are teaching environments, t- teaching uh, blocks. So we're going to be teaching people how to how to do the energy work that I just described, you know, pain point testing, things like that, so that people can energetically work with the system that we engage 
that, that tells you what your food sensitivities are. And, and, and again, to what extent, what percentage of sensitivity, 70%, 80% sensitive. We pinpoint, the, the pin, nobody's doing the work like we're doing. The, the pinpoint energy testing is super important. It's, it's remarkably helpful. And people will be able to take these systems and engage them with their family and friends and staying well at home. I think that's the most important part I can share. Awesome. Yes. Yeah. So again, that is the Way of Miracles event at Omega Institute, September 3rd through 5th. Um, you can find out more about that at Dr. Mincola's website. That is markmincola.com markmincola.com. Um, I know we've got just about two or three minutes left, Max, but I, I want to talk a little bit about the documentary. I mean, you've got some heavy hitters in there. Deepak Chopra, Bruce Lipton, Rupert Sheldrake. Um, I've interviewed uh, Dr. Lipton and, and uh, Dr. Sheldrake uh, on the show before, and I was really excited to see them. Um, what do you want to say about the documentary? It just It's fascinating what, what you put together there. Well, the documentary actually tells the story, the patient stories that we that we've been discussing. But it also wraps around the luminary expertise of these energy aware people, these people who are energy geniuses. They talk about the quantum physics of healing. They talk about the quantum physics of emotion and thought. They talk about the energetic properties that that have everything to do with successful miracle making, uh, but that nobody talks about, and, and that our culture is just beginning to tap into. And we're, we're, we benefit and we're, we're pleased and so, so appreciative to have the input, the perspective of these brilliant minds that have spent a lifetime already studying these issues and, and have so much to teach the world about them. So thank God that they were there. Yeah, it, it just, yeah, you put together some great folks. Um, yeah, so I just, I wanted to, um, as we get close to the end of our time together, um, I wanted to read, this was one of my favorite quotes. It's actually the final quote in the book in the afterword. And it, and it says, in the truest sense, the way of miracles represents an awakening of the divine source that is our true eternal self. We are all makers of miracles for there is a divine self within and around us that knows of no limits. Um, any final message for our listener, Dr. Mincola, as we bring the show to a close? I think that I'd like to inspire people to identify their eye, to tap into the true self that they are, and to pro reprogram, reformat their day-to-day beingness in a way that they can actually emanate from source, emanate from the soul, emanate from a place higher than, than we've been inclined to emanate from to elevate the consciousness of ourselves, our family, our communities, and our world, and to live in a, in a state of love and hope and healing. Yes, beautiful. And uh, a great way to find out more and learn how to do that is through uh, Dr. Mincola's latest book. It is the way of miracles accessing your super consciousness his website is markmincola.com that's markmincola.com dr mincola thank you so much i've enjoyed talking with you so much today sunny thank you so much it's a great pleasure of mine thank you wonderful well thank you all for listening and this is sunny joy signing off see you next week on sunny in seattle